Yeah, so our heads and our hearts matter quite a bit, right? It's amazing how much each goes into our decision-making, and as you think about Jesus, the same is true. Your head and your heart both have to be engaged if you're going to take Jesus seriously. The tricky part of that is some of us have battles in our heads sometimes about Jesus, and some of us have battles in our hearts sometimes about Jesus. Sometimes we have these battles in our heads like, seriously, someone came back from the dead? Some of us have a really hard time wrapping our minds around that. How can I really believe in Jesus if this is all built on what we're celebrating today, Easter, someone coming back from the dead? Maybe it just seems like such a stretch for you. and Maybe that's where you struggle to approach Jesus. Just in my mind, I just can't make that leap. I want to talk with you a little bit about that battle or that struggle today. Some of you in the room might have a different battle. It's the battle of your heart, and I think this plays out two ways. One way it plays out is some of us kind of feel like, you know, I'm a pretty good person. My heart tells me I'm a pretty good person, and I can kind of take care of myself. I don't know that I need saving, you know? I mean, all right, I'm not perfect, but who is? And I make some messes once in a while, but I clean them up pretty quickly, and I'm kind of just able to take care of myself. A few weeks ago, my family was just about to get ready to eat. Long day, tired. All I wanted to do was sit down and eat. I went to grab a mug, and I opened up a cabinet, and my son's history book, this huge history book, had been put in there at kind of an awkward angle, and it came flying out, and it knocked another cup off the counter, and now we have shattered glass all over the kitchen. So, of course, I start the process of moving furniture and picking up the pieces and vacuuming and swiffing and making sure that everything is good. So I go into the bathroom after about 20 minutes of that, wash my hands, getting ready to eat, excited, and as I'm in the bathroom, I hear something else fall and break. I was like, no, come on, I just want to sit and eat. I walk outside, and there, in the same spot my mug had fallen and broken, another mug had fallen and broken. Now, I'm not going to tell you who did it, because I just feel like that's really not a kind thing, and I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. And so, we're just going to play it safe. Um, you know, I, I want you to respect me more than, than, than that, but... Um, So once I get that all cleaned up, another 20 minutes, so 40 minutes now, and I finally get to sit and eat. Uh, Soon after that, I walked outside. I had to actually bring something to my neighbor Nick's house. And as I walked past my my minivan, which is smoking cool, by the way, uh, one of the doors had been left open, and it was pouring rain. And so uh, it was actually probably the other person pictured just a minute ago that left it open. I won't throw anybody else under the bus. And so there I am looking at this. Seats are soaked. Floor is drenched. So now I've got to figure this out and clean this up. So finally, after coming back inside and after all that, I said, you know, when I was a kid, when I was like frustrated, I would just play my drums. I would just go down there and kind of beat the drums for a while. I just got some aggression out and it felt good. So I go downstairs and I'm ready to start playing. And I realize like, my, my drum set is, is a mess, like, like the kids have been messing with it, and, and you know, this thing's missing, and I'm trying to put it back together, and then I start to realize that not only is it a mess, and things are kind of not what I want them to be, but there are some things broken here, and like the double bass pedal wasn't working, and I couldn't get it working, so, so not only there was everything a mess, but now there are things broken that I can't fix, and I think that is a lot like our lives. It's a lot like us as we approach Jesus. It's like we look at ourselves, and we go, okay, I got this one mess, but I'm going to clean this up quick. And then almost like two seconds later, we can have the same mess in the same area of our life. So we have to try to clean that one up. And then we walk outside, so to speak, and we find a new mess in a new area of our life. Now we have to clean up. But then eventually we get to the things in our life that are just messy, but they're broken. We can't fix them. So maybe you're here today and your heart is telling you, I'm a good person. I don't need saving. I can kind of do this myself. I can clean up my own messes and fix my own issues. But isn't that exhausting? And don't we find that there are some things in our lives that are so broken, we just can't fix them after all? I want to talk with you about that battle in our heart. But there's another battle in our heart too, isn't there? 
For some of us in the room today, the battle in our heart isn't, I'm so good and I don't need saving. It's, I am so messed up, I can't imagine anyone would want anything to do to me. I can't imagine Jesus would love me or want me. And so we have these two battles in our hearts. And I'm excited to talk with you about this battle in our head about, man, could Jesus actually be alive? And these two battles in our hearts, either I'm really good or I'm really bad and Jesus couldn't want me or love me. I'm excited to talk with you about this today because I've struggled with all three. I've struggled with all three of those battles in my lives. And I, I, don't, I only have one life, not all my lives. <laughs> I've struggled with all three of those battles in my life. And I would guess you've struggled in some of those areas as well. Now, some of you might not be followers of Jesus here in the room. We are so pumped that you're here today. Once you know, you are always welcome. But some of you would say, that's my struggle, man. I'm here because it's Easter. I'm supposed to be in church, so I'll celebrate it. I don't really believe Jesus is alive. Or I don't believe I need saving. or I don't believe he loves me. But I'm here. But then there's a bunch of Christians in the room too. And sometimes, isn't it true, we struggle with some of these same things too? That sometimes we put our trust in Jesus, but that doesn't mean we never have a doubt again. It doesn't mean we, we always feel like we need saving or that we're worth saving. And so today I want to talk with you about these battles in our head and these battles in our heart. I think it's so important that on Easter Sunday as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus that we're engaging him with both our heart and our head. And so we're going to look at this here today. I hope you are encouraged by this. And we're going to take a look at this guy named Peter. Peter was one of the first followers of Jesus, one of Jesus' closest friends. And about his mid-60s, he wrote some letters to some friends. He's near the end of his life. He writes some letters to his friends. And in this first part of Scripture we're going to look at today, he really helps us work through the battle in our head. Eventually, we're going to look to Peter to help us work through the battles in our heart as well. But we're going to start with the battle in our head. And I hope that you're, again, encouraged and challenged by this. So let's look at 2 Peter 1. Here's what he says. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Now he's talking about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus being alive. He's talking about all this being true. And some of you are followers of Jesus and you're like, why am I hearing this message on Easter? I already believe in Jesus. Because sometimes, just like Peter said, we have to make sure that this stuff's firmly established in our hearts. Because all of us are like a bad phone call away or a bad week away from doubting if God even exists. Ever been there? Everything falls apart. And things you were so sure of are now shaken. Man, the message today matters for Christians as much as anybody else. Because sometimes we have a battle in our head about Jesus being alive or not as well, don't we? So Peter says, hey, I want to make sure that you're firmly established in this, that, that this, this Jesus stuff is not folklore. It is a historical event that has taken place. And he goes on in verse 13. He says, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Now, I think that's really important here. It's this word Lord is huge. If you're here today going, who is Jesus? Is he a nice guy? Is he some prophet? Who is he? He's the Lord. He is God in the flesh. And I love that Peter uses those words there. But Peter is using some strange language, some language we don't use, right? What's he talking about with, you know, I have this tent of the body and I'll be leaving this tent soon. I mean, we we just don't talk like that, right? He's using this illustration to talk about his body. So the body represents, the the tent represents the body here in the illustration. But you and I don't talk like that. I've never walked up to someone who lost a lot of weight and said, hey man, your tent really shrunk, right? I mean, it's just not how we talk, right? But Peter is saying, okay, so I have this tent of the body, so to speak, and I know, God's made it clear to me, Peter's saying, that I'm soon going to leave this body. Now, why is that a big deal? Why on Easter Sunday am I bringing this up as important for us to talk about? Because Peter didn't die of old age. I told you before, he wrote this in his mid-60s, right? 
Peter died because people murdered him because he kept saying Jesus was alive. So why is that important for us on Easter Sunday? Because as, as you and I wrestle with this battle in our head, can Jesus actually be alive? Here is Peter saying, okay, before they put me to death, and they would crucify Peter upside down, before they put me on the cross and murder me for saying Jesus is alive, I just want to remind you again, Jesus is alive. Now that's powerful to me. Because if Jesus weren't alive, here is Peter's time to say, I was just kidding about all that stuff I said. You don't lie for what you know is a lie, right? You don't die for what you know is a lie. And here is Peter saying, I'm about to die. They're about to kill me, but I am not going to stop saying Jesus is alive because I know that's the truth. This was his time to come clean. I have a four-year-old nephew named Josiah. And last week, Josiah spilled milk all over the floor in his kitchen. And my sister went up to Josiah and said, Josiah, did you spill this milk? And he went, no, no. She said, Josiah, if you spilled this milk and you're lying to me, I'm going to take away your trucks. He said, yes, I did spill the milk. Immediately changed his story because he was threatened by something. I'm telling you, if Peter had made up the resurrection, as soon as they said, we're going to kill you, he would have written some very different words than, hey, I just want to make sure you know all this stuff and I want to make sure it's in your hearts and, and you have this deep down inside you because I'm about to die. Now, you don't die for what you know is a lie. And so Peter is ready to give his life saying Jesus is alive. That historical event. This is not folklore. Now we might say, but how can we take Peter seriously? Did he hear about Jesus' resurrection somewhere? Did somebody, you know, some pastor, some preacher, some missionary tell him about it? How can we take Peter seriously? Look at verse 15. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always remember these things. For we did not, you ready? We did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So Peter isn't telling us he made up the resurrection, right? Peter is not C.S. Lewis or J.R. Tolkien or J.J. Abrams writing some great science fiction, right? He is saying, this is what I saw with my own eyes, Jesus, back from the dead, and I will give my life for it, Peter says. Jesus was so alive that he cooked Breakfast for Peter. Jesus was so alive that when Peter's buddy Thomas doubted Jesus was alive, Jesus says, come and feel the nail holes in my hands. This was not a ghost. It wasn't a vision. It wasn't a projector, right? I mean, this was Jesus back from the dead. And so Peter is not making this resurrection up. He saw it with his own eyes. Also, Peter is telling us that he did not hear about this through the grapevine. You know, you know how you hear stuff through the grapevine? You, the story changes as it goes. Remember telephone? Remember play telephone when you were a kid, right? And the person over here starts with the first thing, you know. It'd be like, Doug is a pastor at Living Word. And by the time it gets to the end, it's like, Doug is a bald, funny-looking dude. You know, like everything changes as it goes, you know. Both are true, but that's okay. But, but here we have Peter saying, I, I saw this. this. I did not hear this. This is not, I could not confuse this message. It, it couldn't have been that, oh, he really is dead, but, but somebody confused me and I got the wrong. No, no, no. He saw this with his own eyes. So Peter is a great eyewitness because of how his story begins. He was one of the first followers of Jesus because of how his story ends. He was killed for saying that Jesus was actually alive. I hope that helps you if you're working through the battle in your head. I hope you're hearing Peter plead with you saying this is something you can sink your teeth into. This is real. This is true. 
Don't run away because it's something big. It should be big. If God saved mankind by sending his son to rescue us, it's got to be huge. It's almost got to be bigger than we could wrap our minds around. So we celebrate Easter, not because this is some kind of Christian religious thing to do, but because it happened. And I hope today, if you're working through some doubt, that you'll be able to look at the evidence that is there and say, wow, this actually took place. If you're not there yet, I would love to talk with you. I'd love to grab coffee with you sometime or we could talk after service today. I'd love for you to take our visitor CD, like I said in the announcements. That's my story about why I believe Jesus can be trusted. And I searched and hunted for years to see if this was legitimate. And eventually, at the end of the day, I knew God could be trusted. I knew Jesus and this plan of salvation was real. If you go to our website and you click on messages and you click on evidence series, there's a 10-part series over six hours that we did many, many years ago about all the evidence that there is that Jesus can be trusted. And so this is not folklore. This is a historical event. I hope that helps you and I through our battles in our head. But now let's talk about the battles in our heart. Some of us, our heart tells us we are good and we don't need saving. Some of us, our heart tells us that we are too bad and God could never love us or want us. Now, what I want to say in the next few minutes might be hard to hear for some of us, you know, but that doesn't mean it's not true and it doesn't mean it's not coming from a place of love. So I want to tell you some, some important news for you to hear. This past month, I went to the doctor and I hardly ever go to the doctor. I hate going to the doctor and they were like, okay, we got to do this different blood work and we got to do a heart workup and this and that. And when was your last this and that? And I was like, never, because <laughs> I never go, right? So, okay, we got to test you out. Well, come, turns out I have high cholesterol, like scary high cholesterol. I guess it happens when you turn 40. Happy birthday to me, right? Yay. I'm actually not 40. I'm celebrating my 15th anniversary, my 25th birthday. But, but here's the doctor telling me news I didn't really want to hear. But I'm so glad he, he told me. I'm so glad that I found out I have something in me that needs fixing. Because now I'm, I'm doing what I need to do to make sure that I'm healthy. As some of you here today, maybe you entered the room going, I'm a pretty good person. I don't know. I, I think I'm all right. I, I just want to say to you today, you and I, we all have something inside us that needs fixing. And so what we're going to do is we're going to continue to look at the life of Peter. But what we're going to do is, is we're going to go back 30 years from where we just were. Right? Peter wrote his his story of his letter of second peter uh, mid 60s we're going to go about 30 years back to when peter's in his 30s and you ever seen a movie where they start at the end and then they go back and explain the you know what happened beforehand that's what we're doing here and so we're going to look at peter as a, a younger man this is right before the crucifixion old peter was fiery passionate ready to die and eventually would die for his faith younger peter seems that way but there's something going on with him and so we're going to look at this really intense conversation that Jesus has with them. In Matthew 26, verse 31, it says this, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Okay, so first, let's just hit the head again for a second here. Jesus just predicted his own resurrection. Okay, pretty cool, pretty powerful, okay? But here is Jesus telling Peter some pretty depressing news. You're going to abandon me. You're going to fall away. And he says it to all the guys in the room. You're all going to fall. You're all going to leave me and abandon me. But Peter replied in verse 33, even if I'll fall away on account of you, I never will. Now think about this, right? What is Peter's heart telling him? You're a pretty good guy, Peter. <laughs> you got this. Even if everybody else abandoned Jesus, you would stay true. You're a good guy, Peter. And that's the message some of us hear in our hearts today. You're a pretty good person. You're pretty good at cleaning up your messes. Now Peter didn't go as far as to say, I don't need saving. 
But he's pretty confident in his own performance, isn't he? Then goes on. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. And so Peter sounds really confident. I mean, he sounds like the old Peter who was in his 60s who would die. Only problem is, if you know the story, Peter would abandon Jesus completely. Peter would deny Jesus over and over again. People would recognize Peter, as Jesus was arrested and on trial, Peter would, people would say to Peter, hey, wait, you're the guy that was with Jesus, right? You're, you're that guy we saw with him. And Peter would go, no, that's not me, that's not me. Eventually he got to the point where he was swearing and cursing and calling down curses on himself to distance himself from Jesus. So here's this guy who was so sure of his performance that he found something out. He needs saving. He's got places in him that are broken that he can't fix himself. And now something interesting happens in Peter's heart. He had the first battle in his heart, which was, I think I got this. Now he's got the other battle in his heart. Why would Jesus love me? After what I have just done, think about it. Jesus would then be put on the cross and buried in the grave. Here is Peter, brokenhearted. Here is Peter going, I abandoned my best friend. I abandoned the one I said I'd never abandon. I abandoned the one that I said I loved and would follow, and now I can't even tell him, sorry. Imagine what Peter must have felt, the shame and the regret. Guys, the reason I bring that up today is because that's what some of us feel. That's that's how some of us came into this church this morning, afraid. Because why would God want me? Why would he love me? He knows all the things that I have done. And Peter here was, was confident, but man, he has fallen the other way now. Amen, Lord. Thank you. And so here is Peter in this other place. And, and I don't know where you are today. Are you in that like good camp? Are you in that place where you think you're doing a great job and, and, and you're all right and you got this under control? I just want to say that's, that's a dangerous place to be. My son, Landon, who's nine years old, is into making memes lately, which is when you take a picture and then put a photo over it. And a few weeks ago, he was doing something he shouldn't do. And in our house, one of the best ways to get through to Landon is to tell him if he continues to do what he's doing, he's not going to be able to pick a TV show for that day. And so, you know, we, we continue to go through it. And I said, all right, buddy, you can't pick today. No, 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 no. We got into this whole thing, and it escalated. And I said, bud, if you don't stop, you're not going to be able to pick tomorrow either. And uh, we get to the point, okay, two days, no picks on TV. Oh, all right. Just disappears for a while. And he comes back to me with, with my phone. And he shows me a meme that he made. And you guys can look at it on the screen. It says this, when a kid didn't do anything and he can't pick for two days. <laughs> Thanks, Landon. Not only did he do that, he made it my background on my phone <laughs> so that I see that every time I open my phone. Thank you so much, buddy. Now, don't say awe because Landon did do bad things, but he doesn't think he did bad things. And that's where some of us find ourselves, right? Thinking, God, I'm okay, I I have this, I don't need saving. But then maybe some of us have realized, wow, I'm really far from Jesus. I have this other battle in my heart, and I just can't imagine that he would love me, and he would want me. And that's where Peter is, man, from, you know, confident to broken. Some of you know the story, though, right? Suddenly, Peter hears this rumor at first. Some women are are saying Jesus is alive. 
And he literally runs to the tomb. You can only imagine with the weight on him and the guilt on him and the despair on him and the love in his heart that he still has for Jesus, he runs to the tomb. And sure enough, it's empty. And it'll only be a matter of time before he sees Jesus again. And he is blown away and he is so grateful and he is so thankful. But do you know what his heart is still telling him? Jesus doesn't love you. Jesus doesn't want you. You know how we know that? Because after Jesus rose back from the dead, Peter didn't go, okay, let's go, let's go do a crusade. Let's go save the world. Let's go rent the Colosseum out, get the, get the garden, and we're going to go preach the gospel, and everyone's going to get saved. No. You know what he did? He went back to his old job. He started fishing again. And Jesus hunted him down and had a little conversation with him on the shore. And you know what Jesus' one question for Peter was? It was this. Are you going to finally shape up? That's not it. Are you going to stop messing around? That's not it. One question. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? That's what I want to know. That's what God is concerned about today. Love. And Peter would affirm his love for Jesus, and Jesus would affirm his love for Peter. Some of you here today just need to hear that one question. Do you love me? That's the question God asked you. Now, some of you might be saying, this is kind of new for me, Doug. This is my first day in church or my first day back in a long time. I don't know if I love Jesus, but I'd kind of love to be loved by him. And I'm sure interested in the conversation. And if all this stuff about Jesus could be true about salvation and forgiveness and love and, and peace and joy and hope and heaven and all, man, man, I'm, I'm open to that conversation. Then don't let the battles in your heart hold you back. Don't let that nagging feeling that you have just done too many wrong things, hold you back from the grace that Jesus offers you and offers me. See, that's why we're here today. Because Jesus is alive. So that battle in our head can suddenly start to go, well, wow, okay, so here is an eyewitness who would put his faith in Jesus, who would eventually die for Jesus, who his last words in written form were, I just want you to make sure you are still confident in what I'm about to die for. I hope that helps you through some of the battles in your head. And I hope today, as you've seen Peter on the one side really strong in his performance, I hope today you've recognized that sometimes we make a mess. And sometimes we break things. And those broken things are not always so easily put back together. Sometimes it takes God. And for every one of us, we have a brokenness in us that needs saving and rescuing because of the sin in our lives and the things that we've done. And I'm at the top of that list of people who is guilty. And some of us are at that place where we're on the other side and we're just feeling like there's no way Jesus would love us. There's no way he would want us. And I hope Peter's story inspires you. Because here is Jesus who looked at Peter's religious heart on the one side and his very guilty heart on the other side and said, do you love me? That's what this is all about. I love you, Jesus says. That's why I'm here. Jesus came to rescue us. If you're here today saying Jesus only wants to save and rescue good people, well then why did he come? Because good people could apparently save themselves, right? But Jesus here, he came to save and rescue all of us who are fallen and need saving and rescuing. So really, I could sum up all of Peter's writings and experience that we've looked at here today in just one simple phrase that I hope will stick with you. And it's this, Jesus is alive. You need him, and he loves you. The answers to the battle in your head and those battles in our hearts, Jesus is alive. You need him, and he loves you. So if you're not a follower of Jesus today, 
Can I ask you if you're interested in a relationship with him today? Are you interested in, in trusting in Jesus to be your Savior instead of trusting in yourself? Or are you interested in running to Jesus instead of running away because you thought he didn't want anything to do with you? Are you able to push past maybe some of the, the skepticism and the doubt? And Yeah, but I heard on the History Channel, and you know what? There's answers for all that. There's answers for all of that. This is not folklore. It's not a hope. It is a historical event. And I'd love for you to put your trust in Jesus today if you're ready to do that. And in just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray and start a conversation with Jesus. But if you're not ready to do that, I really want to encourage you to come back. Next week, we're going to start a brand new series called Jesus Is. And we're going to talk for several weeks all about who Jesus is. And it's going to be great for you if you're coming back to church or you've never been before and you're kind of just testing all this out. But it's also going to be great for you if you're a strong Christian and you've been around for a while. We're going to really go for it together. I'm excited about it. And so I hope to see you back for that. But we'd love to talk with you today. We'd love to pray with you today. We'd love to hear you out. We'd love to hear where you're coming from and your story and what's going on in your life and your heart. And so I hope today you're interested and maybe looking to this amazing salvation that Jesus has offered. And if you're a follower of Jesus already, I just hope your heart is that much more convinced that yes, you need saving, but yes, you are loved. And I hope your head is convinced that Jesus is alive. My Uncle Don passed away a few weeks ago. And my Uncle Don was a funny guy. I had a joke for every single moment of life. He was somebody who had really high moments and, and really low moments in his life. He had moments where he made great decisions and some moments where he made some bad decisions. He had seasons where he was close to God and seasons where he was really far from God. But do you know what I know with all my heart today is that my Uncle Don is in heaven with Jesus. Not because he was so good, but he wasn't too bad because no one is for the grace and mercy of Jesus. And he was a man who trusted in his Savior. And toward the end of his life, more and more would, would cling to Jesus as his life and his hope. And I hope today you know that just like my Uncle Don wasn't beyond saving one way or the other. Neither are you. And I hope today you might just think about putting your trust in him. Because the truth is, Jesus is alive. You need him, and he loves you. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. And we just thank you for this amazing news that we celebrate today. And I thank you that this is not just something we hope is true. I thank you so much that this is life and this is reality. We thank you that Jesus transformed human history. Jesus transformed that first century. That everything got turned upside down once Jesus came back from the dead. And guys like Peter went from people who were running from their lives to fearless and would face death, convinced, because they'd seen it, that Jesus is alive. And I thank you that a guy like Peter, who was confident in his own performance in one moment and then broken and falling apart in the next, was savable, was lovable by this amazing Savior. So God, we just thank you for this reassurance today. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him today, I would just encourage you to begin a conversation with him. You know, the fancy word is prayer that we use all the time, but, but you can just talk to God like you would talk to me, talk to a friend. And he hears you and he loves you and he wants to communicate with you. So if you want to begin a conversation with him, begin this relationship with him, I just encourage you to pray something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for coming for me. You're the only one who did. You're the only one who came to fix my mess and fix those broken places in my life that no one else could. Thank you for dying for me, for saving me, for rescuing me. 
Would you forgive me for my sin? Would you show me how real you are? Thank you for this tremendous gift of salvation. I could never earn it. Help me to now live as you empower me, God. Amen. Before I step off the stage, there's just one more prayer I'd love to lead some of us in today. And it's to the person who's not sure yet. I would love for you to just think about praying a simple prayer like this. God, if you're really there, would you show me? 